Dear Father in heaven, blessed be thy holy name for giving us the privilege to fellowship with you today. We are not worthy to have life because we know that if it were for our works, we don't deserve it. But we thank you, Lord, for being merciful to us nevertheless. We want our lives to be a praise and glory to your name. And we know the only way we can make you happy in, and make your heart glad is by following your law and glorifying your name on this earth, being instruments by which your will will be done. But we have a foe whom we fight against that we are no match for. Therefore, we plead with you, Lord, supply to us grace and strength for the labor that is before us. May the words we will hear in our devotion be a source of strength and help to us. Grant us the gift of your Holy Spirit. I commit myself to your care that you put your words in my mouth and that these words may be blessings and words that will help to sanctify us. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen. came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. Second Chronicles chapter 12 verse 1 The extravagance of Solomon's reign during his apostasy had led him to tax the people heavily and to require of them much menial service. Had Rehoboam and his inexperienced counselors understood the divine will concerning Israel, they would have listened to the requests of the people for decided reforms in the administration of the government. But in the hour of opportunity that came to them during the meeting in Shechem, they failed to reason from cause to effect. The pen of inspiration has traced the sad record of Solomon's successor as one who fails to exert a strong influence for loyalty to Jehovah. Naturally headstrong, confident, self-willed and inclined to idolatry, nevertheless had he placed his trust wholly in God, he would have developed strength of character, steadfast faith and submission to the divine requirements. But as time passed, the king put his trust in the power of position and in the strongholds he had fortified. Little by little, he gave way to inherited weakness until he threw his influence wholly on the side of idolatry. How sad, how filled with significance the words, and all Israel with him. The people whom God had chosen to stand as a light to the surrounding nations were turning from their source of strength and seeking to become like the nations about them. As with Solomon, so with Rehoboam, the influence of wrong example led many astray. And as with them, so to a greater or less degree is it today with everyone who gives himself up to work evil. The influence of wrongdoing is not confined to the doer. No man liveth unto himself. None perish alone in their iniquity. 
every life is a light that brightens and cheers the pathway of others or a dark and desolating influence that tends towards despair and ruin. We lead others either upward to happiness and immortal life or downward to sorrow and eternal death. And if by our deeds we strengthen or force into activity the evil powers of those around us, we share their sin. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is All Israel with Him. And we are going to take an in-depth look into the next king that followed after King Solomon, the greatest of them. The next king that followed King Solomon was his son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the child of an Ammonite woman called Nehemiah, whom we will talk about in depth also much later in the devotion. Because of the sins of King Solomon, the Lord had already said that the, the, the kingdom was going to be divided. Now, sometimes we wonder at whether the Lord orders the events and actions of men to bring about his prophecies. That is not the case. The Lord foresees and he knows the consequences that we cannot see with our eyes of the things that we do. And that is the reason why he gives instruction beforehand. The Lord knows the end from the beginning. He knows the end of certain actions that we take, not to a broad degree alone, but even to the minutest detail of every influence that we have. The Lord knows it all. So when he is giving warnings, there is something that he's seeing that we cannot see. And when we fail to heed the warning and go against his explicit direction, that thing that he was trying to prevent will certainly happen. So when he is given a prophecy, he is only telling us the thing that he was trying to prevent that is going to happen. The Lord spoke to Solomon and told him that the kingdom was going to be rent from him into two. He knew it was going to happen. He didn't make it happen. How did the Lord know? It was apparent that the influence of Solomon was going to bring about a result that will cause that division. And the Lord even saw it as a good thing that he could work with because if the kingdom is divided, then the influence of one bad king will not pervade all over the kingdom. It's better it is broken down. And here is an account of how that division of the kingdom happened. You see, before I go on to that account, I want to remind us again that as we are studying the life of the kings specifically, we are looking at the talent of influence. You know, the Lord gives us so many talents. The talent of speech, which we hear is one of the most important, perhaps the most important talent, the talent of speech. And there is this talent of time, how you use your time. There's the talent of means, that's your money. There is the talent also of influence, a powerful talent, which everybody has. We all have all these talents I mentioned to a greater or less degree. One talent that we all have to equal degree every moment is time. But when it comes to things like skill, money, influence, these things, we do not have them equally. Even the talent of speech, we do not have that equally. Some people can talk better than others. Some have the ability, some don't have it. But when we come to the talent of influence, some have it to a greater degree and others to a lesser degree. How do, who are those that have the talent of influence to the greatest degree? It is those who 
rule over nations. Depending on how big and the subjects that are in that nation, that is how far your influence can reach. The Lord wants to show us how the talent of influence can be used rightly or wrongly and so that it can be an advice to us today to use this talent to the right purpose. We've already seen the life of King Solomon, King David, King Saul, but especially King Solomon, how the talent of influence was used wrongly. And also we saw it in King David, how his influence also affected Israel, both for good and for evil. We saw it in these past two kings, and we saw it in King Saul. Now we want to see the talent of influence, not just in Rehoboam, but even in those that surrounded him. So the kingdom, the Lord said, was going to be divided, but it was not divided just because it was supposed to be so, but out of the lack of wisdom of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, when he became king, um, Solomon had died and Rehoboam became king and the people came to meet him. Reading from 1 Kings 12 verse 3, he says, Then they sent to call Jeroboam to come and meet him and they had the discussion. In verse 4, it says, They told Rehoboam, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now, therefore, make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do you advise that I may answer these people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto these people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give ye that we may answer these people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter? And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto these people that speak unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father did lead you with heavy yoke, with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father had chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam to the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And of course, what happened? The king told them what he what the young men told him, and what was the result? The people left him. Verse 15 says, Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the course was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shilonite unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So you see here that Rehoboam lacked some kind of emotional intelligence and the wisdom needed to have influence over the people. In departure from God, the Spirit of God couldn't guide him to make the right decision. What does it mean that it was from God? Like we read here that the thing was from God. It means that God could not give wisdom to Rehoboam to make a decision to follow God because he was not under God's guidance. Had he asked wisdom from God like Solomon his father did when he became a ruler, had he like King Josiah possessed a heart that wanted to do all the will of God, the kingdom would not have been taken away from him, it would have been preserved under him. There is a reason why the wives and mothers of men of influence, good or bad, are usually mentioned. It is because women have influence over their children. Rehoboam had a mother who was called Neymar, like I said, we'll talk about her later. And I'll tell you that this woman had an influence also over, Jeroboam, over Rehoboam much later. But in the early part of 
Rehoboam's reign, when this thing happened, the, the kingdom became separated. Jeroboam became the ruler of nine tribes of Israel, while the other two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, remained under King Rehoboam, which was known as the Southern Kingdom. And the Northern Kingdom was under King Jeroboam, the other nine tribes. Why do I say nine? Of course, you know there are 12 tribes. The 12th one, which is the Levites, they do not have any inheritance for themselves. They were scattered all over Israel. But something happened that was an advantage to Rehoboam. Jeroboam, which we will see in tomorrow's devotion, did something in his own kingdom that chased the people of the, uh, the of the tribe of Levi away from his kingdom. And it, when they were chased away, they all went to meet Rehoboam in his own kingdom. Reading Second Chronicles 11 verse 13, it says, And the priests and the Levites that were in all Israel resorted to him, to Rehoboam, out of all their coasts. For the Levites left their suburbs and their possession and came to Judah and Jerusalem. For Jeroboam and his sons had cast them off from executing the priest's office unto the Lord. And he ordained him priests for the high places and for devils and for the calves which he had made. And after them out of all the tribes of Israel, such as set their hearts to seek the Lord God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice unto the Lord God of their fathers. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah and made Rehoboam the son of Solomon strong three years for three years they walked in the way of david and solomon i'll stop here so you see that there was an advantage for rehoboam because the the, the temple was in jerusalem and jeroboam had done something that was wrong by chasing the levites away and giving them a false system of worship not just the levites that left the kingdom of jeroboam but also everyone who preferred to worship the true god the righteous men of israel they left the land of the northern kingdom and came to the southern kingdom where Jerusalem where Jerusalem was and they dwelt there and what did they do they strengthened the hand of Rehoboam they made him to be one who follows after righteousness but for how long three years from verse 18 now it says and Rehoboam took him Mahalath the daughter of Jeremoth, the son of David, to wife, and Abihail, the daughter of Eliab, the son of Jesse, which bare him children, Jeush and Shamariah, and Shamariah and Zaham. And after her, he took Makah, the daughter of Absalom, which bare him Abijah, and Atai, and Ziza, and Shel- Shelomith. And Rehoboam loved Makah, the daughter of Absalom, above all his wives and his concubines. For he took eighteen wives and three score concubines, and begat twenty and eight sons and three score daughters. And Rehoboam made Abijah the son of Makah the chief to be ruler among his brethren, for he thought to make him king. And he dealt wisely, and dispersed of all his children throughout all the countries of Judah and Benjamin, unto every fenced city, and he gave them victual in abundance, and he desired many wives. That's the account of Rehoboam. Where did he get this character of desiring many wives from? Influence of who? None other than his father, King Solomon. And not just his father, but also his mother, whom we will see very soon. But the record is written for a purpose to show us. You know, the Bible says here that he had how many wives? 18. But why is it that only two is mentioned? We hear of Mahalath, which is the first wife, but then we hear of Maka, the daughter of, Abs- of Absalom. Do you remember that Absalom? Do you remember that Absalom's mother is from another kingdom altogether, a queen from that place, and 
a princess from that place rather the daughter of a king and you can tell the influences of this family Absalom not being a very good person I'm sure his wife his daughter must have been a beautiful lady too and Rehoboam married her and then he gave birth to the man called Abijah Abijah is the one he wanted to make king after himself so Rehoboam followed the Lord for three years being strengthened by the priests the Levites and all such as loved the Lord that came to dwell in his kingdom of Judah but something happened after that as we see in 2nd Chronicles 12 verse 1 it says and it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him what happened to Rehoboam he strengthened himself in God he was following after the Lord but later departed from God this is where we're going to trace the power of influence in Rehoboam's life and in our lives the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 25 verse 5 take away the wicked from before the king and his throne shall be established in righteousness so why is it that Rehoboam's throne was not established in righteousness that he departed from the law of the Lord which that law is the righteousness being referred to it is because there were wicked people around him the Bible says take away the wicked from before the king and his throne shall be established in righteousness Rehoboam surrounded himself with wicked people like we have already seen those young men whom he asked that did not know any wisdom that gave him a bad advice for three years good people came around him for three years they urged him to follow the word the word of the Lord and for three years he was following the law of the Lord and the Lord established his kingdom but after the Lord established his kingdom, he forsook the law of the Lord. Take note, we cannot forsake God except by forsaking his law. When you are accused, when the Lord says we have forsaken him, it is the law of the Lord that we forsake. When we start to live in disobedience to the law of God, that is how we forsake the Lord himself. For the Lord is represented by his law. The book of Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 tells us, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forsaken the law of thy God, I will also forsake thy children. And this is a principle for all ages. When we forsake the law of the Lord, we are forsaking him and he will forsake us. The Lord forsook Rehoboam. But let us first of all trace the influence before we see the consequence of Rehoboam forsaking the Lord. What was it that caused him to forsake God? Like I said, he surrounded himself with wicked people. And among them is a woman called Nama the mother of Rehoboam. She is first of all mentioned in the book of 1 Kings chapter 14 verse 21. It says there, And Rehoboam the son of Solomon reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was forty and one years old when he began to reign, and he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord did choose out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. But the Bible now says, And his mother's name was Nama and Ammonites. This information is placed there for a reason. Just immediately after the mention of Rehoboam's mother follows the sad record in verse 22. After saying his mother's name was Nama and Ammonites, the next statement says this, And 
Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins which they had committed above all their fathers had done. For they also built them high places, and images, and groves on every high hill, and under every green tree. And there were also Sodomites in the land, and they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. This is what follows after mentioning Nama. Just so you don't think I'm giving an indictment against Nama unjustly, just keep following. Again, Nama is mentioned in verse 31. When Rehoboam's death is recorded, it says, And Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then the Bible says again, And his mother's name was Nama, an Ammonites. Why is the Bible mentioning Nama, the Ammonites? Three times this Ammonite woman, her name is mentioned. Why so? You see, God wants us to trace the life of Rehoboam especially to his mother and remember that another woman his wife was mentioned he had many wives but only two was mentioned Mahalat and Maka these two women not Mahalat now Nama and Maka were terrible influences on Rehoboam today we will look at only Nama and tomorrow we will look or in subsequent devotions we will look at the influence of Maka today we look at Nama see three times she's mentioned why so? God, like I said, wants to trace Rehoboam to his mother. Is she not one of the women who influenced Solomon to build those groves and altars to other gods? Why is it that she said, the Bible says, Nama, the Ammonites, Nama, the Ammonites? Why? God wants us to go back. First Kings chapter 11, for verse 4 says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. And as was the heart of David his father, verse 5, For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And verse 7 says, Then did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh. Take note, who was he building these things for? It was for his wives. For Chemosh, the, Ammon- the abomination of Moab. What does that tell you? That means he had a wife that was a Moabite and he built Chemosh for her. Then in the hill that is before Jerusalem. And for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. That means he had a wife who was from the kingdom of Ammon. And it was for her sake that he built two altars, not one. Remember in verse 7, it had said Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And then in verse in verse 5, it had said Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And then in verse 7, Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. For this woman, Nama, Solomon had built two altars erected in Jerusalem, the mother of Rehoboam. And this woman's name is mentioned three times for us to understand that this same woman was responsible for leading her son as she led her husband into apostasy. Rehoboam, through her influence, eventually departed from God. But I won't say solely through her influence, but certainly she had an influence on Rehoboam. You see, the marriage of Solomon has not stopped losing its influence on Israel. It was still having its effect through the woman that he married called Nama. The relationship of mother with children is very deep. And as we subsequently will be studying about these kings, the Bible will always mention their mothers. Not all of them, 
but many of them you will see their mother's name is mentioned for us to understand that if there is anyone who has more influence on a child it is the mother make no mistake about that it is not the father but the mother that has the greater influence on the child reading from adventist homepage 240 paragraph 5 we are told the tenderest earthly tie is that between the mother and her child the child is more readily impressed by the life and example of the mother than by that of the father for a stronger and more tender bond of union unites them the thoughts and feelings of the mother will have a powerful influence upon the legacy she gives her child if she allows her mind to dwell upon her own feelings if she indulges in selfishness if she is peevish and exacting the disposition of her child will testify to the fact thus many have received as a birthright almost unconquerable tendencies to evil the enemy of souls understands this matter much better than do many parents he will bring his temptations to bear upon whom upon the mother knowing that if she does not resist him he can through her affect her child the mother's only hope is in God. She may flee to him for strength and grace and she will not seek in vain. End of quote. Remember what we read earlier? Proverbs 25 verse 5. Take away the wicked from before the king and his throne shall be established in righteousness. Like I said, apart from the mother, there, is also, there was also that woman mentioned earlier, Maka, the daughter of Absalom, another wicked influence on Rehoboam. She also was not a good influence, but hers was to a, maybe a lesser or great degree, I don't know, but she had a bad influence on him. We will see that later. But Nama is the one that the Bible mentioned three times when in connection with Rehoboam. You see, as we read in Conflict and Courage, page 201, paragraph 3 says, The pen of inspiration has traced the sad record of Solomon's successor as one who failed to exert a strong influence for loyalty to Jehovah. Naturally headstrong, take note, naturally. What did he inherit from his mother? Like we have seen, it is the mother that we inherit from the most. Naturally, he had inherited that headstrong, confident, self-willed, character and inclined natural inclination was to idolatry nevertheless there were those levites he had they had placed his that had helped him that's why we read had he placed his trust wholly in god he would have developed strength of character steadfast faith and submission to the divine requirements but as time passed the king put his trust in the power of position and in the strongholds he had fortified and little by little he gave way to the inherited weakness. Take note of those words. Inherited weakness. When was he born? Was he born at a time when Solomon had apostatized? No. He was 41 years when he took over. And Solomon, at that time when Solomon gave birth to him, Solomon was about 30 years or 29 because I believe Solomon died at age 70. If Solomon died at age 70 and this man was 41, then it's around Solomon was about 29, 30 years when he gave birth to this man. He was a godly person at the time. Solomon was still following the Lord and he was a righteous man. So where did he inherit this weakness from? It was from his mother. Naturally inclined to idolatry? No, that is not from Solomon. The natural inclination that Rehoboam had to idolatry was from Nama, his mother. But then it didn't stop with him. All Israel went with him. 
the power of influence is not something that we should make light of. Conflict and Courage, page 201, paragraph 4 says, How sad, how filled with significance the words, and all Israel with him. The people whom God had chosen to stand as light, as a light to the surrounding nations were turning from their source of strength and seeking to become like the nations about them. As with Solomon, so with Rehoboam. The influence of wrong example led many astray. Now hear these words. And as with them, so to a greater or less degree is it today with everyone who gives himself up to work evil. The influence of wrongdoing is not confined to the doer. No man liveth unto himself. None perish alone in their iniquity. Every Life is a light that brightens and cheers the pathway of others or a dark and desolating influence that tends towards despair and ruin. We lead others either upward to happiness and immortal life or downward to sorrow and eternal death. And if by our deeds we strengthen or force into activity the evil powers of those around us, we share their sin. End of quote. Someone may be saying to himself, you know, I may be committing my sin in secret. I'm not influencing anybody. I plug my ears with my with my uh, when I'm listening to my worldly music, I watch the movies quietly, I watch the porn when nobody sees me, so I'm not influencing anybody. Don't forget that you have your DNA, and if you have a child, you are going to be influencing that child already. You've already made things difficult for that child you are going to give birth to, give birth to because you are already strengthening or forcing into activity the power of evil in yourself which you will transfer as a legacy to your child and that is why parents should not look down on the sins of their children because we share in their sin when we see them repeating the things that we did we share in their sin men of influence are to be careful not to lead others astray and we all are people of influence to a greater or to a less degree God judges those in position more strictly because of their talent of influence which is greater than others. He also holds them responsible for the good or evil influence they exhibit and also rewards them accordingly if it is good. Reading from Christ's Object Lessons, page 339, paragraph 2 and downward, it says, The life of Christ was an ever-widening, shoreless influence, an influence that bound him to God and to the whole human family. True Christ, God has invested man with an influence that makes it possible for him to live to himself. Individually, we are connected with our fellow men, a part of God's great whole, and we stand under mutual obligations. No man can be independent of his fellow men, for the well-being of each affects others. It is God's purpose that each shall feel himself necessary to others' welfare and seek to promote their happiness. Every soul, every soul, listen to these words now, every soul is surrounded by an atmosphere of its own, an atmosphere, it may be, charged with the life-giving power of faith, courage and hope, and sweet with the fragrance of love. Or it may be heavy and chill with the gloom of discontent and selfishness or poisonous with the deadly taint of cherished sin. By the atmosphere surrounding us, every person with whom we come in contact is consciously or unconsciously affected. This is a responsibility from which we cannot free ourselves. Our words, our acts, our dress, 
our deportment, even the expression of the countenance has an influence. Upon the impression thus made, there hang results for good or evil which no man can measure. Every impulse thus imparted is seed sown which will produce its harvest. It is a link in the long chain of human events, extending we know not whither. If by our example we aid others in the development of good principles, we give them power to do good. In their turn, they exert the same influence upon others and they steal upon others, thus by our unconscious influence thousands may be blessed and of quote we cannot underestimate the power of influence which we all have and there is like we read now an atmosphere that surrounds everyone you enter into a room there's an atmosphere and i'll take it more deeply than we have read it spiritually you have an angel of the lord that's assigned to you but based on the things you are doing you can either push away the holy spirit from yourself and bring demons to yourself or you can dispel the demons from yourself and bring among you the angels of the lord and the spirit of god upon you it is determined by the things you do you keep speaking evil you keep talking evil you keep dwelling upon evil watching reading listening to things that are evil what do you think will happen you are surrounding yourself with an atmosphere that is charged with evil and everywhere you go those angels are following you i mean the evil ones but if you do good if you continue to dwell on things that are pure like we are told in philippians 4 verse 8 whatsoever things are pure lovely good report virtuous thanks uh, thankworthy praiseworthy if we are thinking on these things we attract to ourselves angels of god and the holy spirit and we are now charged with an atmosphere that is pure so that wherever we go this influence is felt even when we have not spoken a word even when we have not done a thing just by people looking at us they can be influenced just by looking at you it will show in your countenance it will show in your dress it will show in your deportment it will show later in your words and in your actions but even before words and actions your influence is felt in the room when you come in if you have been involved in evil it is an evil influence and we must understand that you cannot remove yourself from this responsibility. We all have it. Now, what happens to Rehoboam after he departed from God? This is a lesson that we will learn forever all through the word of God. Departing from God leads to us being destroyed. As we read in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, The Lord said, Because they have forsaken my law, I also will forsake them. Rehoboam, after departing from God, got attacked by King Shishak of Egypt. And because when there was a war between himself and Shishak when he was about to go for the war, there came a prophet. This is um, 2 Chronicles 12 verse 5. Then came Shemaiah, the prophet, to Rehoboam and to the princes of Judah that were gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shishak, and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, You have forsaken me, and therefore have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves. And they said, The Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them. But I will grant them some deliverance, and my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants, that they may know my service and the service of the kingdoms of the countries. So Shishak, king of Egypt, 
came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took all. He carried away all the shields of gold. Do you remember the shields of gold that Solomon made? He carried all of them. Instead of which, King Rehoboam made shields of brass and committed them to the hands of the chief of the guard. And they kept the entrance of the king's house. And when the king entered into the house of the Lord, the guard came and fetched them and brought them again into the guard chamber. And when he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him, that he would not destroy him altogether. And also in Judah, things went well. So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. For Rehoboam was one and forty years old when he began to reign. And he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Nama and Ammonites. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. That brings an end to the story of Rehoboam as it is written in the Bible. Departure from God brings defeat and troubles from all kinds of places to us in our daily lives. It may seem as if people who depart from God are having things easy, but this is far from the truth. Rehoboam departed from God. Three years he also strengthened himself before God. But when he departed from God, he, he did not have peace anymore. With God, he knew peace and security and safety. But when he apostatized, war came. The Bible records that all the days of his reign was war, war, war. This was because he departed from God. First Kings 14 verse 30, it says, And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. And also First Kings 15 verse 6 says, And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life. Second Chronicles 12 verse 15 says, Now the acts of Rehoboam, first and last, are they not written in the book of Shemaiah the prophet, and of Edo the seer concerning genealogies? Then again it says, And there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam continually. Wow! Is there war in your life? Could it be that you have departed from God and that is the reason you have no peace in your life? We need to retrace our steps. If you want to have peace, you will see it. We are going to be studying of all most of the kings, and you find this out that whenever a king departs from God, war comes. But when they are following the Lord, then the Lord gives them peace and quietness, except as he wants to test them. Then sometimes some king comes to fight against that king that is following the Lord, and the Lord gives them great victories against any of their enemies. Let us follow from cause to effect. The book of Leviticus 26 and also Deuteronomy 28 has told us clearly that success and peace comes from following the law of the Lord and that's how we get blessings. But curses come when we depart from God. Psalms chapter 119 verse 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Isaiah 32 verse 17 and 18 says, And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation, and in sure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. As sure as the word of God is, so sure shall it be in the life of anyone that follows after righteousness that the work of righteousness is quietness, peace, and assurance forever. And the contrary or the opposite is the case. The work of sin and evil is war, war, war. And that is how it was for Rehoboam. Being with God brings peace. 
there is the God advantage. It shall be well with the righteous, but not with the wicked. That is a lesson that we learn from Rehoboam's life and we will see in many other people's lives. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, please help us to be careful the kind of influence we have over our others and those who we surround ourselves with, especially in the matter of the marriage relation. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to, the men, to marry those who shall be of good influence to their children and help the ladies as we have seen that they have a great influence, greater influence than the men over the children. Lord, I pray that this influence shall be one that is good, that the atmosphere that surrounds us shall be charged with good and not with evil. In time past, we may have been instruments by which others have been led astray. Please, Lord, forgive us and help us to retrace our steps and be an influence for good in the lives of those that surround us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our national prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.